The following is presented to you by Maranatha Bible Church of Comstock Park, Michigan. For more information, go to mbcmi.org. A lot of times this happens with a daughter and a, a wife who is still being um, parented by her parents, and she doesn't want to let go and, and be under the authority of her husband, so she still keeps going to her parents for she'll, she'll, her husband will tell her something and she'll go, well, I need to go check. Not just women, but I'm saying a lot of times. She'll go, let me go check with my parents first. Even though her husband, God has put her in that relationship now. He's the authority over her. A lot of times that'll happen. You need to be careful. If your kids see that, that's how they're going to, they're gonna, why would you think they're going to grow up any different than that? There needs to be a, a, a commitment to the intimate physical relationship. They need to see that you're often showing a physical affection to your wife or your husband. Your kids need to see that. To show that you love mom or you love dad and you're not afraid to you know, kiss them in front of the kids or hold hands or whatever. The kids need to see that commitment to one another physically as well. A commitment to your biblical roles we talked about. A husband is to be a servant, a leader, a learner, a lover. You, know, you need to be committed to those roles. And study those things. Learn those things. Learn your wife. Study your wife. Know how to love your wife. I mean, that's a, a class on marriage, but this is all included in parenting. Your kids need to see that, and they need to see your wife being a helper, an encourager, fulfilling those biblical roles that God set in place, right? You just need to be demonstrating that for your children. So they're not just hearing it in Scripture, but then seeing something different from their parents. Uh, you want them to see what they're learning in Scripture. They want, they want, you want them to see that in your life as parents. And then thirdly, we said you have to have a commitment to your family. You need to be good stewards of the truth. You need to be constantly discipling your family. And I know that it can be hard sometimes, uh, especially for a husband. He comes home from work. He's tired. He doesn't want to read the Bible. He doesn't want to spend time discipling his kids. He wants to perhaps sit on the couch, watch TV. He's tired. He spent all of his energy at work. I'm not saying that's wrong sometimes to do that, but I'm just saying you need to make sure you're discipling your family. We would do it every night at dinner. We'd sit down, we'd read the Bible, and we'd pray. I'd ask the kids, kids questions, and yeah, half the time they're like, oh, I just want to go. But I was committed. I said, we're going to do this. And um, even when they were teenagers, it got a little bit easier. But um, I, I had to pull, the, pull answers out of them. I'd ask, I'd ask a question. They'd be like, I don't know. Yes. No. I don't know. You know. So you have to think you know, out of the box and ask questions that's going to cause them to, to respond. Have them read. You know, just a commitment to discipling your family, and it'll pay huge dividends later on in life. So have those commitments. So that was the first week, the priority of parents. Commitment to the Lord Jesus Christ, commitment to your spouse, commitment to your family. And there was a lot more. If you want the notes, if you didn't get them, I can give you those. Second week, we moved from looking at the priority of parents to looking at the goal of parents. And we said that the goal of parents is to actively bring them up according to biblical principles. That's the goal. Uh, the purpose is to glorify God, and the way we get there is by bringing them up um, under these biblical principles. And we said that to do this, we need to understand their nature. So we began looking at the nature of man, and we said that um, the world's view of man... Oh, yeah, bring them up. Okay. Let's see. Yeah, we, we, we said... The, the world's view of man is that 
man is inherently good. We talked about you know, all psychology stuff, how it all says man is good, and it's all based on an um, evolutionary worldview. So obviously, if you're talking about evolution, there's no God, there's no consequence for your sin, you're a blank slate, and it's just your environment, all these things, and you're, you're born basically good, and then you may go off track. That's the exact opposite of what Scripture says, and we, we looked at that. We said God's view of man, man is inherently evil. And we said the Bible gives clear evidence. I mean, look all through Scripture, and you can see. From Genesis all the way through to Revelation, you see the sin of man, this horrible sin. It's because we're inherently evil. We're wicked. The heart of man is deceitfully wicked. And then we, after we're talking about the... Um, Okay, yeah, after talking about man's nature, we talked about um, God's direction to parents. We said that um, the direction of, of these uh, to parents is, first of all, we looked at the essence of the directions, and the essence was to bring them up, and then the execution of God's direction, discipline and instruction. So that was the basic essence of those directions. And then we moved to week three, and we see the role of parents. So we moved from looking at the priority, the goal, and then we dug into looking at the role of the parents. And we saw that um, this role, these roles, this is where we actually are going all the way through, the roles. We looked at the evangelist. We said that you're, you need to be an evangelist with your children, constantly sharing the gospel with them, teaching them from scripture, helping them understand what sin is, what repentance really is, what it looks like, what it means. Not just one time, you're always talking to them about these things. And I was talking to uh, one of the other pastors this week, and we were just, just talking about different situations where we're training our children up in um, certain ways that they start to change a little bit as they get older. Um, so you have to be in tune to your child's heart and how they're changing as, as the years go by. And you don't share the gospel with them the same way when they're little as when they're a little bit older. You know, you have to um, know their hearts and know... Um, how to present the gospel to them and, and live out, live out the gospel too. Never dilute the gospel, never leave out aspects of it. And we talked a little bit about in that section not giving assurance to your kids. And we said, you want to be careful. You don't want to squelch their enthusiasm either and um, you know, crush their, their enthusiasm for the gospel, but you just don't want to ever give them um, false security because they said a prayer or they walked an aisle and you know whatever you don't want to give them that false security or they they said a prayer at day camp oh I know I'm saved now no I don't think so uh, let's see let's see how you're living how's your life going here but if you do see things in their life that look like hey this is evidence of salvation you encourage them in that you say what I'm seeing in you is it's really good this is evidence of someone who loves the Lord. So encourage them in that way, but never give them false assurance of those type of things like a prayer or they sign their name in the Bible. Um, just be careful of that. And then we said next, after an evangelist, we're prayer warriors. We need to be praying for our children continually, always praying for our children that they would come to know the Lord. Um, every situation they, they come into, pray for your children on a continual basis. Even if you don't see the fruit of those prayers right away, Keep praying for them and keep a journal and you'll see God begin to answer these prayers. So be faithful in that. Be a prayer warrior. And then we said um, disciplinarian. 
We're to be a disciplinarian. We talked about that for a long time. And we said our discipline, when we discipline our children as Christians, oh, the clock's gone. Okay. Um, just stand up, Bob, when I'm going over. <laughs> uh, when we discipline our children, then it needs to be reasonable, so not burdensome. It needs to be definable. It needs to be useful. So make sure your, your, your discipline is reasonable, definable, and useful. And help make sure your children understand. It needs to be clear and concise. This is what you do. This is what's going to happen. So they understand it so you're not catching them by surprise. Emphasize cause and effect for them when you're um, doing discipline. Okay, and then the, the last week, week four, before I left, uh, we talked about just one of the other roles, and that was being a teacher. Um, we said there's three R's when it comes to teaching our children according to biblical principles. You need to be, um, you need to recognize, realize, and require. Recognize a child's lack of understanding, their need for help. Uh, realize the children learn incrementally, as we said already. They, they learn incrementally. And then require your children to exercise self-control. This is hard for some parents, but require them to exercise self-control. If you decide to have them sit in the church, okay, you need to sit down. You require them to do that. That'll help them in the future. If you're requiring self-control in, in all areas. And then as we were going through this, we looked at uh, how do parents teach? And we said there's at least four ways. The, we teach through example, through life situations, by question and answer, and then by the formal teaching time. And you'll just be doing that in your everyday life. You'll be teaching them through example. Um, that's a great way to teach, is that they'll see your, your examples. We talked about some life situations where something will happen, and you'll think, oh, wait a minute, I can show the kids how God used this for His glory, or how God provide, provided for us here. You know, use those life experiences. Don't let them go by and say, man, I should have told the kids about this. Be cognizant of that. Question and answer. Ask your kids questions and listen to the questions they ask you. And if they ask you questions that at first sound kind of dumb, think about them. Uh, biblical questions that you might think are kind of dumb, think about them. And then answer them in a way that you can continue, on, continue the conversation biblically. And then formal teaching time, like just devotion time, sitting down with them. Also, all those ways are ways we should be teaching our parents, or our children, our parents too, depending on how old they are. Um, and then what do parents teach? We teach the fear of God. We teach submission to obe and obedience to authority. So that's basically where we have been in the last four weeks. In the last week, you had um, some um, individuals up here for a kind of a question and answer. So this week we're going to finish out. We stopped with the last role of the parent that we were going to look at, and it was the encourager. The encourager. So let's, oh, before, any questions before we move on to that, though? Questions about anything, the last four weeks, five weeks? No. Okay, it's your last chance, because I won't be, you can ask Bob next week, but I won't be here. So, I mean, I'll be here, but I won't be up here. All right, so let's move on to encourager. We look at Ephesians 6.4, and it says, Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and the instruction of the Lord. So when talking about encourager, first, he's telling us what not to do as parents, as fathers. He says, this anger that he's talking about here, that's characterized by willful or wrathful, impulsive, 
anger, just blowing up, open rebellion. Uh, it could be passive resentment. Don't allow, um, don't provoke your children to that. Colossians 3.21 says, Fathers, do not exasperate. Don't cause your children to lose heart or be discouraged. Um, so don't exasperate your children so that they will not lose heart. You see, just like us, our kids, they, have an, they need an abundance of encouragement, especially from you, the person in their life who has all this authority, who they look up to as, you know, just you're everything to them. They need encouragement. So be an encourager. We're not to provoke them, and we're told not to exasperate them. These terms used here are in, in the present tense, indicating that this is to be heated continually in every life situation. Don't exasperate them. Don't, you know, cause them to be provoked. Now, so let's ask, that's the question we need to ask. What do we do that could possibly provoke and exasperate our children. First, we'll look at what we do that could provoke and exasperate. And there's many other specifics you can probably think of. But I'm just going to look at a few broad principles on what we do that could exasperate our children. And then we'll look at what we don't do that can do that. So first of all, one thing that we do that could exasperate our children is... Excessive control. Excessive control. You know, we have too many rules. We're too strict or harsh. We're micromanaging everything the child wants to do. Always saying no. Just doing the job yourself. You're just so controlling. These are examples of being just too much. Too much for your kids. It exasperates them. Being overly controlling, it can manifest itself in a couple of ways ways that we may not think of, like laziness. Elevating preferences over biblical principles. Let's look at that one. Elevating uh, preferences over biblical principles. Let me give you an example. Okay, you have a specific way you want your child to make the bed. You have to make the bed, like you're in basic training or something. You've got to make the bed this way. Okay? And rather than focus on the importance of their obedience... And just them being obedient and making the bed, you nitpick at the specifics of how they, you want the corner folded. You want to make sure the pillow is exactly in the middle or whatever. That will come. But if you're doing that right at the beginning, they just, they're like, oh, I can never please them. You know, just look for obedience at first. Are they being obedient? Are they doing what you're asking them to do? And then later on, as they get older, okay, now let's try to do it this way or that way. But don't be excessively controlling. It'll just exasperate them. I remember in basic training, having to fold those, you had to like, they had to be able to bounce a coin off the, the, the sheet. It was exasperating. But I did it because I didn't want to get screamed at. It didn't help. But, amen. So that's an example. If this is the focus every time, as I said, the child's just going to become exasperated. They're going to say, nothing I can do can please them anyways. It's not wrong to tell them to do those things, but they can miss the biblical principle of obeying their parents if, if you're just focused on those details all the time. So don't do that. Laziness also. Laziness can be an example of excessive control. You say, well, how's that? Because it's, just, it's much easier just to say no than to think through each request. Just say no. 
in every situation. You know, you don't want to make an informed decision. It's too much work. I'm just going to say no all the time. Or the other side, you say yes all the time. And that can be a bigger problem. You need to be very careful here. As we've seen already in this class, you're always saying no is going to exasperate your child. So excessive control. Be careful there. Be careful you're not over-controlling. It can exasperate your children. Another one would be fear as a parent. Fear. That you fear how your child's going to turn out or you fear what other parents are going to think about your child. And you tend to engage in excessive control by micromanaging, uh, making far too many rules because you want them to be exactly how you think they should be and how other parents are going to see your child. So you're going to just control everything. <coughs> be careful. Rather than simply being faithful to train up your child according to biblical principles, trusting in the sovereignty of God, and, and whatever the outcome, you try to control everything with your child. And that's often based in fear because of what others are thinking or what, you know, you want your child to be this way, and so you're going to try to control everything. So be, be, be aware of that. Fear can also man itself in several different ways. It comes out in being an angry person. You could just be an angry person. This can be obvious or it can be overt sinful anger. Proverbs 19.19. 19. You can look these passages up, but uh, Proverbs 23 talks about this. Proverbs 22.24 and 25. Overt or sinful anger. Or it could be subtle anger. You're just grouchy all the time. Your kids don't want to approach you because you're always grouchy. You're always going to snap at them. You're always irritable. You have a critical spirit, perhaps. Constantly fault-finding, constantly raining on criticism, always criticizing your children, trying to control them. It's, it's fear. Be careful. Don't, if you're a person who's always grouchy, ooh, examine your heart. Your kids see it. Even if your husband or your wife may not admit it, your kids will tell you. Say, man, you're always grouchy, Dad. Why don't you ever loosen up a little bit? Or maybe they don't dare to tell you. But ask them. Tell them to be honest with you. Hopefully your wife will be honest with you. <laughs> your wife would be honest with you, I hope. Am I grouchy? Am I always irritable? Or your husband will be honest with you, if you dare to ask your husband. But don't get mad at him if he tells you the truth. <laughs> I mean, that's kind of like the question. Yeah. <laughs> it's kind of like the question, am I fat? Do I look fat? Um... <laughs> How do you answer that? You can't win. <laughs> so, same thing. Now, exaggerating also. Exaggerating is, is sinful. It's, fear can be manifest in that way. Proverbs 12, 22 tells us that. You know, you're exaggerating. You tell the kids, you never do anything right. Was well, that true? No, it's not true. Because there are times when they do things right. Don't exaggerate. I've told you this a million times. Really? You didn't tell them a million times. That can just produce hopeless, hopelessness in your children. And I'm standing up here saying this because I've done the same things, you know. I'm not saying I, have, I didn't do every single one of these things. But biblically, if we want direction, this is what Scripture tells us not to do. Uh, humiliating them. Oh, don't humiliate your children. Don't mock or make fun of them for their failures. That's oh, horrible. Mocking or making fun of your children for their failures. That'll have catastrophic, catastrophic effects 
for them in life. Don't yell at them or excessively scold them in front of others. Don't scold them um, excessively in front of others. Say, hey, uh, we'll deal with this. Won't you come here and sit down and whisper in their ear, I'm going to get you later. No, just kidding. No, just, just, but just tell them, we'll, we'll deal with this later. Sit down and punish them later. Don't do it in front of family members or their friends. Oh, how humiliating. In front of their friends. Now, yeah, they're, you know, you humiliate them now. They're going to get older, and obviously they're going to become young men and women. It's not like, um, you know, these things are going to scar them for the rest of their life, and they'll never get over it. But still, these things, this is just cruel to your children to humiliate them in front of others. And then don't exaggerate their failures in order to make a point. Don't exaggerate their failures in order to make a point. So, exaggerating, uh, humiliating them, and then changing rules with no reason given. Uh, Matthew 15, 9, James 1, 17, Malachi 3, 6. We could look at all those. Just parents who are continually changing rules, they're, they're often just making decisions based on their emotions. They make these rules, but then they're, they're very emotional in the time of their children acting up, and they say, that's it, you're, you're grounded for a month. Well, you, that wasn't what we'd agreed upon as the rule, you know. You're, you're changing rules based on emotion. And then you may say something. Okay, well, now you've told them something's going to happen. Now your emotions come down later, and you're like, man, I really shouldn't have done that. So now you go, and you tell them, okay, that's not going to happen. This is going to happen. They're like, oh, you keep changing here. Be consistent. Um, I'm not saying, you know, there's never a time where you overreact and you need to go ask forgiveness. But as best as you can, be consistent. So that you're not trying, excuse me, you're not trying to clean up the mess afterwards, after you've already done it, because you're being emotional. So just be careful there. And then being unjust. Proverbs 11.1. 1. This is how we it can exasperate. Proverbs 11.1, 1, James 2.19. You never reward them. You just, you just never reward them for anything they do. Um, you're favoring one child over the other. And although you say you don't, they see it. They see you favoring this child. And you know in your heart you might think, well, this child is just more compliant. So you, even though you don't love them more, you tend to favor them more because they're more compliant. The, the other kids will pick up on that. And they'll throw them in a well. And they'll sell them into slavery. <laughs> so be careful. But really, they will. They'll pick up on that. So don't do that. You're never complimenting your children. Um, that's, you're being unjust. Don't do that. You exasperate them when you do those things. And then expecting perfection. 1 Thessalonians 5.14. I think I put these passages in your notes so you can look them up later. But um, you're striving for... It's, it's good to strive for excellence. And that's a good thing. But not all children are the same and you need to understand that. Don't always just be saying, like we said with the bed, you're always striving for perfection. Look more for obedience. Look more for the heart that they're doing these things with when you're um, raising your children. And then... Because if a child thinks that nothing they ever do is good enough, they'll just be exasperated. As I said before, nothing I do is good enough. So be careful there. Those are some of the things that you can do that will exasperate your children. Now let's look at some of the things we don't do in the last 15 minutes here that can exasperate our children. The, last, the, the things that we don't do. Okay? We don't give any limits whatsoever. Sorry. Oh, there we go. 
No limits whatsoever. Okay? Proverbs 13.24 says, He who withholds his rod hates his son, but he who loves him disciplines him diligently. If you don't discipline your child, you're going to have big issues. No discipline, no humility. They're going to be proud, proud, arrogant kids when they get older. You have to discipline your children. They're going to think that they're always right. Um, they won't seek wise counsel. Uh, we see in 1 Kings 12, Rehoboam, right? He acts foolishly. He's supposed to become the king for his father, Solomon. Well, what happens? Instead of asking the advice of the older, wiser men, like Dale, and I'm just kidding, <laughs> Chris, he brings his, his close friends around him. He, he looks for, well, he asks their advice, the older people, but he doesn't take it. He goes to his close friends, and he takes their advice, because they're cool. And he ends up dividing the kingdom. David, or Solomon, was not a great father. I mean, you have 700 wives, 300 concubines. How are you going to be a good family man? You're not. So make sure you have limits. You don't have limits, you'll exasperate your children. They need that structure. They need that, um, that direction. If there's no limits, they also have no cleansing of their conscience. Proverbs 20.30 says, Stripes that wound scour away evil, and strokes reach the innermost parts. So if you have no limits, there's, you're not training their conscience in the things of Scripture. You're not showing them what Scripture says. This is, these are rules that Scripture gives us. Make sure they understand that. So you have no limits whatsoever, and then also um, you maintain no involvement in their life at all. This will exasperate your children. No involvement. You have to have time and effort that's essential in your child's life. According to a survey I read, fathers spend an average of, listen to this. Now, I don't, it's a survey, so take it with a grain of salt, but fathers, the average father spends 37 seconds a day with his children. 37 seconds a day. That blew me away. Don't miss the opportunities you have to pour into your children as a father and a mother. Often when you're, the response that a child will hear when they long to do something with their father or, you know, play with their father, just spend time with their father, they often hear this kind of stuff. I just have to study. I'm too busy. I have to meet with someone else, so we'll do it later. Um, I have to work on a project, so go talk to your mother. Don't you have any friends to go play with? I have to rest. I'm tired. I've been working all day. I don't have time. I don't like to play games, so sorry. Those are just average responses you'll hear often from a father. And I, yeah, I'm hard on fathers because fathers are so important in the raising of their children. Mothers are just as important, but fathers are the ones who tend to lack in this area because they're usually working lots of hours. Uh, they come home and uh, their tendency is to just be s submissive, let their wife lead. So you have to fight against that as a man. All right. And the last one would be, oh, we've got two more. Not visibly showing love to your spouse or child. We already talked about that. You don't resolve differences with your spouse. Your kids see that. They're wondering, why wasn't this ever resolved? Um, not showing affection to your spouse or your child. Not showing enthusiasm for your spouse 
or your child's decisions. Your spouse or your child makes a decision, they have plans, you show no enthusiasm whatsoever. Don't do that. Be excited about what they're telling you about. It may be, you may think, well, that's kind of, you know, weird, but show enthusiasm for it. Don't, don't squelch that in them. They're encouraged when you when show clear love for one another as a spouse because it provides peace, a peaceful house, a stable stability. When you're showing love for your spouse, the kids are like, okay, everything's okay with mom and dad. We're stable here. Stable environment. Another way to exasperate is not um, listening to your child. You don't listen to your child. Proverbs 18.13 says, He who gives an answer before he hears, it is his folly and his shame. You know, you're listening, you, you, you're ta your child's talking, and they're talking at you, but you're just waiting for them to finish so you can tell them what to do. You're not really listening. You're not showing interest, asking questions, and, and showing them that you're interested in what they're saying. Uh, because you think what you have to say or what you think is way more important than what they have to say. Listen. Just listen to your child. It's a huge problem. Okay. Let's see. I'll skip down a little bit here. Oh, here's a big one, too. This is, I think this is one for guys a lot of times, too, but also for moms. We're always trying to fix what's wrong. We're always trying to fix things. But sometimes they just want to talk. They just want you to listen. You don't always have to try to fix things. Just listen. I know that can be a, a problem with guys, too, sometimes with their wives. They come home from work. Their wives want to talk. They need to talk. You know, I was just talking to someone at the college retreat who said that he just started, when he got home from work, he just started telling the kids as soon as he got home, um, you know, go up and play in the room for uh, 45 minutes. I'm going to spend time with your mom. First thing he would do when he comes home is he goes and he lets, he talks with her. 45 minutes. Then he goes and gets the kids and they can come down. He shows them that his wife comes first and he's listening to her. And, um, you know, I try to do that. I try not to just fix things because a lot of times your wife will be talking and you're thinking, okay, you're, you're already thinking, okay, how can I make this right or how can I fix this? Just let her talk sometimes. And same with your children. Just let them talk and listen to them. Show them that you care about them as they talk. And they need to know that their opinions matter, so let them know that. Okay, so as we finish up our equipping hour here, um, I just want to look at the last thing is the rewards of parents. As we enter into this world of parenting, you know, I'd say most of us in here, well, not most of us, some of us haven't even had kids yet, but a lot of us have kids who are older or, you know, teenagers. So we're thinking, well, we're kind, of, we're kind of through that already. But it's still helpful. But there are rewards of parenting. Um, and these rewards basically are, I, I just picked two of them. And they would be personal sanctification and divine sanctification as you parent your child. And I got the first one Romans 8, from Romans 8, 28 through 29. Uh, you know, we need to understand that God's he's using our children in the process of sanctification, just as he's using our spouse to, sh to get our minds and our hearts off of ourself and get us into the habit of giving to someone else. And then you get kids and you've got to give even more to someone else. So you need to be, back to the beginning, having that commitment to Christ. If you're going to be able to give to your spouse and your kids without being so self-focused, you need to have a close commitment to Christ. Uh, but this will bring about personal sanctification. I remember my kids saying stuff to me 
that really just sank, it really just brought me down a couple notches, man. I do something, and a few weeks earlier I told them not to do it, and in the car they'd be like, "Dad, why did you do that when you told us not to do it?" Like, well, because I'm. Uh, 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 you know what? You're right. I'm sorry. Can you forgive me for that? I shouldn't have done that. You know, um, they have a sanctifying effect. They can bring out the anger. You know, you don't think you're angry until you have these kids running around your house doing stuff, and you're like, oh, there's an opportunity for sanctification. Um, so be careful there. Um, just realize that. Because a, ch a child is a mirror of the parents. Someone once said, I, I don't know, I didn't know how impatient I was until I had children. Same thing. You didn't know how angry you were until you had children. You didn't know how lazy you were until you had children. They, they bring out all this stuff, and that's a good thing. Um, parenting stretches us in, in several different ways. It, it stretches us in our understanding of Scripture. You know, when we're a young guy, I'll, I'll use guys again, or a young lady, coming out of college, maybe Bible college, we, we know the Scriptures, we've got all these things set. Well, then we become parents. It helps us in our understanding of Scripture. It helps us in our trust in God and holy living, knowing that we have to teach our children what we ourselves are living. And that's going to cause us to uh, be constantly aware of our own failures and sin, as we already said. So let's just jump down to the last one, is divine sanctification. And then I'll close here. Um... So uh, this is a tremendous joy. It's pleasing God as a, as a biblical parent. We're trying to follow biblical principles, being faithful in how we raise our children. And that pleases God. He's pleased because you're endeavoring to further his own redemptive purpose by influencing successive generations to worship and glorify him. And he's pleased with that. What a reward. Parenting, is, it's got great rewards in personal sanctification and making us more like Christ and pleasing God. And we want to get through the other side of parenting. Well, you've never done parenting, but we get through the other side. When your, parent, when your children move out and they become parents, you want to just be able to say, I was faithful. I, I was trying to be faithful to the Word of God. And that doesn't mean that your kids turn out great or wonderful, whatever. You're being faithful to the Word of God. That's how we want to parent. So, that's it for our class. So, um, as I said, I can get notes for you for all the classes if you want. Um, next year, we'll be digging into another class structured a little bit differently on parenting. So, um, we'll go from there. So, any questions before I pray? No? Oh, sure. About, um, as, like, our, our kids are young, but, you know, as we do, like, family Bible study time, um, as kids move into, say, the teenage years, did you personally or maybe anybody else in here have any pushback from their kids in that area? And if so, how do you deal with that where you say, well, you know, you're living in this home, and this yeah. is what we do. We're, we're honoring God. <coughs> we're going to do this. Um, yeah. They might be sitting there miserable, miserable and they don't want to be a part of it, but I yeah. balance that. I, I had that exact thing with both of my kids. Um, but, I mean, they weren't saved, obviously, at that point. Um, when they were little, it was great. They loved to sit there 
they would ask questions. Um, as they got a little bit older, as soon as we'd, uh, we'd, sometimes we'd read the Bible at the table while we ate, and then afterwards we'd go in the living room and sit down. And, um, and yeah, I could tell. You can just see in there, oh, I don't want to be in here, you know. Um, I'd try to be gracious with them and just say, well, you need to, and try to explain to them why. Um, I never had it where they just said, they just walked out, you know. Um, so I just explained to them, this is something we do. You know that we do this, and we need to do this. And uh, we'd go through, and I'd still ask them questions. Um, and then eventually, obviously, when they got saved, that changed. Um, they, we still did it, but they were almost to the point where they were um, gone when they got saved, moved out, you know. Um, so, but yeah, I just, exactly what you said. You say it in a kind way, but yeah, you let them know this is what we do in this house. Um, you know, they know that. They've been doing it for um, ever. So what's the deal? Why don't you want to? Maybe dig a little bit and find out. Um, it's probably just because they just don't want to sit there and listen to it if they're not saved, you know. Um, so shepherd them through that, but then let them know that is what we're going to do, you know. So any other oh, any other um, responses to that? Something any of you any of you guys have done in that situation? I don't. I don't think many of you have teenagers, <coughs> but obviously don't have kids yet, especially not teenage kids. But I was in that situation where, like, I didn't want to do devotions or sit there. Like that was so boring. I just wanted to go up to my room. So, like, I remember when I started getting up earlier for school, and I saw my parents doing their personal devotions. Like, if you're not showing your kid, I'm not saying you're doing this, but if, no. if they're not seeing you. Do your personal devotions they're not going to value that time that you're doing it as a family mm-hmm. so seeing that they were committed to that themselves just in their own personal devotions i saw that it was actually important that they're doing that yeah that's good that's good yeah um go ahead bill it's important to <clears throat> as you're raising your children or grandchildren one of the great, one of the most wonderful things you can do for them is to treat them the way they're going to be treated. Mm. Not necessarily that that's a bad thing, but when there is no option, you give no option. Stand firm. Sooner or later, they're going to have a job. <laughs> and when they're told, this is the, the process that we use for this, if they get used to standing and arguing, they'll be spending an awful lot of time looking for their next job. It's so many times. <clears throat> Parents want their children to vote. <laughs> you know, they, they allow their children to have a vote. Well, it's not the way it works. Yeah. Because that's not the way it's going to work when they leave home. Mm-hmm. When they go into the military or go into an office or go into the, to nursing or go into whatever it is that they do. If they go into the factory. Yeah. There, there's not going to be a vote on everything. Right. Yeah. Some things just are yep. the way they are. 
may not be right. Yeah. No, I think that's good. I think, obviously, we want to shepherd their hearts. Um, that's our, our goal, is to shepherd their hearts. I don't think we can um, falter on what Bill was just saying. This is what we do. Um, but we explain to them why we do it, and we shepherd their hearts through this. Um, and I think what Ruby said is a great, great point. You know, if they see you doing, they're going to be more likely to want to do it. Now, depending on you guys doing your devotions at 5 in the morning, you know, your kids aren't going to be getting up. But if, you, if you're able to, try to help let them see it. You know, that's a good idea. So it's a good point. So, All right, let me pray. I think we're out of time here. But um, next week, Bob will be up here teaching on discipleship, so you're going to want to be here. It's going to be a great class. Uh, let me pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for this opportunity we've had, Lord. We're so, uh, we're just clay pots, Lord, and we we want to be faithful in parenting, in grandparenting. We want to be faithful uncles and aunts and uh, brothers and sisters and husbands and wives. We just want to be faithful, and we pray that you are honored in our striving to do that. We love you. Um, thank you for the opportunity to, to, preach, uh, to teach this class and to learn from it as I taught it myself. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. You've been listening to a presentation from Maranatha Bible Church in Comstock Park, Michigan. No part of this recording may be edited or distributed without prior written consent. For more information, go to mbcmi.org.